0: Welcome to New Creation Family Church. I hope you enjoy this week's sermon. If you have your Bibles with you today, you can turn to the book of Acts. We'll be looking at a couple of scripture verses in the book of Acts this morning. But we've been looking at the series called Habits of Grace and we've been looking at the spiritual disciplines, how to enjoy relationship with Jesus through these spiritual practices, through these spiritual disciplines and last week we looked at a definition of habits and we have habits in our life and there are habits that we do without us even knowing. There are some good habits and bad habits. Bad habits. Should we talk about bad habits quickly? Yeah, we could spend a lot of time talking about bad habits. I am just standing up here, you realize some of the things you do without um, yourself even knowing. I don't know how many of you click your pen or, or work with a colleague that is always clicking their pen, and it's just a bad habit. They just can't help click a pen. I don't know how many of you have a jittery leg. Right now, your, your leg is busy tapping on the floor like you are anxious or nervous or something. But that can be a habit that um, you notice definitely in a work environment. What about um, someone taking a pen and then coming? it comes back and it's been chewed? Chewing your pen is a bad habit that some of us um, are in the habit of doing. What about eating with your mouth open? That is a bad habit that most of us do not enjoy. Um, Some of us may even do it without even realizing that we we chew with our mouth open. I don't know how many nail biters we have in church this morning. You may find out very soon how many people enjoy having a little nibble now and then. What about coming late? Arriving late, no, this doesn't apply to this church because you're all on time all the time. But other people may struggle with the bad habit of just always arriving late for things. Or when you're in a conversation with someone, they always interrupt you. you have, it's just a bad habit of not letting someone actually finish their thought or their sentence. You just feel like you have to jump in and interrupt them. And I just realized while I was doing the notices, the word um or the, the saying "am". Um often can be a bad habit that some of us need to try and be aware of. But there are many other bad habits, and I want to look at a scripture verse this morning that warns Christians about a bad habit. It's a a warning to the church, the early church, to be careful not to fall into this bad habit, which is quite easy for us to fall into. Last week we looked at the first habit of grace, which is spending time in God's word. And I'm encouraging us as the body of Christ to learn to enjoy and delight in his word, to find time in our day, whether it's the morning, lunchtime, or the evening, to spend time in his word. Not just a quick read, but to meditate on it, to study it, to memorize it. I, this week, um, took the new new uh, version the the bible app and on that bible app they've got many uh, Bible plans, or reading plans, or devotional plans—you can do. And knowing what we we're going to talk about today, I picked this one: better together. And for those that are just starting out in their journey with the Lord, and aren't ready to really study the Word and take commentaries and meditate it on it, meditate on it and chew on it, I encourage you to take a simple app like this. That every day the reading plan pops up. It takes five minutes. I did it while I was busy boiling the kettle, waiting to make my tea. It was a little devotional, and it gave me about three scriptures. Verses, and then you can decide how much time you want to spend reading the Word. But the challenge is to spend time reading the Word and to not just get through the Word, but to trust that we can get the Word into us. And we want to look for ways that we can equip people to study the Word and to know how to read the, the Word with, with all its worth. And that was habit number one. Today we're going to look at a habit that comes through this devotional actually did, and it came from Acts 2 verse 42, and it is a passage that we've spoken a lot about in this church, it is definitely one of our values in who we are, and the, the early church has just experienced Pentecost, and God's spirit was just poured out, and Peter stands up and he shares a sermon, and what goes from a small church of 120, it, it suddenly becomes a mega church of 3,000 people. And it says there that all the believers then devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And this word devotion is a word that is a word that talks about a covenant relationship, meaning to continue steadfastly in a thing, to give continuous care to it, to persevere, or to be busily engaged in. These Early believers devoted themselves to this. What I love about this scripture verse, and um, the New Living Translation says all the believers, um, some of the other t- translations is, uh, d- describes it this way, that they themselves devoted themselves to it. I sometimes enjoy what the Bible does not say. The Bible doesn't say that the apostles had to beg them, manipulate them, cry and say, please, won't you devote yourselves to the fellowship and to having meals together and to prayer?" But it was part of their DNA, it was who they were, that there was the self-devotion to these the spiritual disciplines that the early church was described as. And that excites me, that God can do a work in our lives that I don't have to be devoted for you. I don't have to say, please, church, please, church, please, church, do this. Please, guys, please. But that there's something in us, the, God, the Spirit of God that's in us, that creates a desire that says fellowship and time in His Word and prayer is part of our DNA. It's who we are. And, yeah, they devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, to mutual meals, that's a great topic to talk about. And they celebrated the Lord's Supper. It wasn't just a quick um, tot of um, grape juice and a biscuit, but it was a whole agape meal. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And during this series, I may or may not talk about prayer during our Sunday service because we want to spend more time talking about prayer. And that's why in this term, we've decided to uh, do the series, 40 Days of Prayer. And it is a six-week course that the small groups will be running. If you are not connected to a small group, then just join a small group just for the season. But we believe that we need to be a church that prays and we need to know how to pray and why we pray. And these are some of the topics that we cover, the purpose of prayer, how to pray with confidence, the different patterns of prayer, how to pray for breakthrough and how to pray in crisis. And then there's a bonus episode that some of the life groups will be doing. Why doesn't God always answer the first time that I pray? But I'm trusting for a delight in prayer, to have the ear of God, when I get up in the mornings, I get up at five and I commit that time to prayer and praying and I'm trusting that it would become more of a delight, trusting that it wouldn't just be this awkward silence where I'm looking at the wall the wall, and it can just be this awkward thing, but that it would be something a part of our DNA, what it, what it means to be in communion with God, to talk to him and to hear him speak back to us so that's going to be an exciting series that we're going to do it's not it's actually going to be starting next week after the first sunday of february we're going to be then starting that week we also have a life group that we want to launch on a saturday afternoon for parents that have little children Um, john and amy will be hosting that life group so we want to make it freely accessible to anyone to participate For this 40 days of prayer. But today I want to focus on the spiritual discipline that this early church committed themselves to. And my prayer this morning is that you hear God's word and that you are challenged by his word and what what it says to us. But they devoted, they committed like a married couple commits to it, to fellowship with one another. And this word fellowship is, is a word that we should know quite well in a moment i'm going to talk about what that greek word is but it's interesting to study the withness of the early church how they dwelt and lived together when you when you read through the book of acts and you read through the epistles and the letters this togetherness this withness that they experienced their withness enhanced their witness I didn't make that up myself. I'd love to have been that creative. But this early church transformed society. Other religions and other people in that culture of the day were shocked at what happened in that early church. The, the, the word says that by this the world will know that you my disciples, by the way you love each other. There's something about their witness as they shared their possessions, as they shared their times, as they were in homes together, as they met each other's needs, as they sh- shared life together, that it enhanced their witness, The word that we're talking about today is this word koinonia, shared experience, shared life. It is this partnership that they experienced. They devoted themselves to this. I always do a bit of a stock take. What am I truly devoted to? What do I give my life to? What am I committed to being a part of and doing? And this early church of believers devoted themselves to fellowship. And this is where we find our word community. This is where we find our, the, the phrase fellowship, to fellowship together. They shared their lives together in meals and in homes and they prayed together. I, I've got two um, boys, nine and 11, and we've had a journey of teaching them to share. Share things and share, and I feel like adults need to be taught also what it means to share life with others, to share our time with others, share our feelings, to share our faith, to share life together in this busy world that we live in. What the Bible teaches us is that the gospel of Jesus Christ creates and calls us into spiritual friendship. Another way of describing the word koinonia, describing the word fellowship, is to talk about spiritual friendships. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ does not simply send you into the, the, deeper into the heart of God than you ever thought you would go, or deeper into the heart of the hurting world that you ever thought you would go, but it sends you deeper into the heart of other brothers and sisters in Christ, giving you intimacy of relationship beyond anything you thought possible with any other human being. There is a intimacy that this word describes, that this word talks about. This intimacy that you can experience in friendship. Last year we used this phrase for a local church. It's an ever expanding fellowship of friends and friends of friends. And God has called us into relationship. He's called the body to be relational. We want to be in a relational church. Church, that doesn't just happen for an hour and a half on a Sunday, but there's deep connections and relationships. I want to say that it is not not a sense of being weak to need relationships. To need and to want deep friendships is not a sign of spiritual immaturity, but of maturity. Just study the life of Paul in Acts. Study how his life was transformed as he encountered God And how his life went through very difficult seasons and tough times. But when you read about his life, he surrounded himself with people. He lived in relationship with people. It was something that the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, needed friendships. Needed relationships. So it's not a sign of immaturity to need spiritual friendships. It's actually a sign of maturity. And God has called us into deeper relationships. Let yourself... Need people. Let yourself need others. There's this picture of coals. We all know this analogy quite well because we love to braai. You put a coal, one coal, to the side of the braai and you keep the other coals together. Who knows what will happen to the coal that is isolated? It dies a very slow and painful death. (laughs) We know these analogies. They've been spoken about with... um, wildlife and, and going off by yourself and being isolated. New Testament church was intensely relational. Do you believe that the, the New Testament church, the early church that was intense, intensely relational was just something for that time or is that God's heart for the church today? I believe and I'm convinced that it is how God wants to, to do church today. How God expects and desires the church to function today. And if you are serious about growing spiritually, so we're doing these spiritual disciplines to enjoy and grow in your relationship with the Lord. If you are serious about spiritual growth, fellowship is a priority. You will not grow spiritually the way you could grow spiritually if you are disconnected from fellowship and community. It is a spiritual discipline that the early church practiced and it's a spiritual discipline that we are called to do. Fellowship is a gathering with a goal to stimulate each other to spiritual growth. See, I can find great friendships elsewhere. I've got great friendships at the, the gym that I exercise at. I can find a level of community. But there is, if, if the, you have a desire to grow spiritually, there has to be a desire to grow with people that will stimulate you to spiritual growth. Why is it that the early church needed fellowship? Well, the early church experienced persecution. They were persecuted for what they believed in. We today in this country do not experience the level of persecution that other countries and other believers are experiencing, but we do live in a godless society. We live in a godless society in this country, and Christian fellowship is the antidote to that. Why is it that we need to fellowship? Why is it that we need to share life together It is because of the society and the pool that is anti-God. There are warnings in Scripture. Hebrews 3 verse 14, 13 says this, You must warn or exhort each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Because it's very easy for you to fall into sin and for sin to change your heart. It's very easy for us to think we're on the right track and we're doing well, and some situations and circumstances happen in our lives or we get wooed into a a scenario and something happens in our hearts that our hearts become hardened against God. And someone that thought they had a a living relationship with God no longer does because their heart has been changed and hardened. Some of us here today have learned or are learning through semi-conscious decisions not to want or need relationships. Whether it's because you have been hurt relationally or someone has let you down or you are just feeling hopeless about pursuing spiritual friendships with other people, but you today might be sitting here today and you may acknowledge the fact that you are withdrawing relationally. We had a time of leaders and volunteers that got together yesterday just to talk about some of the things that are happening this year. And one of the leaders just said it's easy to find yourself in a place where you withdraw from spiritual relationships. What is it that is causing this to happen in your life? Have you asked the question, why are you pulling away? Why are you not needing others and allowing others to need you? Why is it that when we're going through a tough time that we isolate ourselves? Why is it that we don't then run into the relationships that we have? Why is it that when life is good, we're not pursuing those relationships? Why? Because when the difficult times come, that's the time when you call on your Christian brothers and sisters to help you. I don't wanna be caught in a place where I need people, but there are no people that I've invested in and even know that I'm going through a difficult time. And the pawpaw hits the fan. But God is relational. Just look at the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just look at how He pursues relationship with us and wants relationship with us. It is part of who we are as believers, is to desire relationship, deep relationship. Not just superficial, shallow, but He's calling us into deep, communal, shared life relationships. today's society I want us to start engaging on some relevant topics in some of the series coming up but our phones are turning us inward towards ourselves than outward towards others social media is not social it's more about the media than it is about building deep and relevant relationships social media is about choosing what part of your life you want to share with others choosing what sort of people you want to maybe follow or get exposed to, what little private world that you want to develop for yourself. But what is supposed to connect us is making people feel more isolated and alone. If I want to withdraw from the real world, I can just pick up my phone and withdraw into another world where I do not have to engage with the real world that I live in. See, the language of friendship has been cheapened because of social media. Some of you may be friends of mine on on Facebook or maybe I follow you on Instagram, but it's cheapened the word friendship compared to the friendship that this New Testament talks about, deep, meaningful relationships, not just a little thumbs up, like here and there. Everything about the church fights privacy, privacy, and being isolated. Isolated. Everything about the church fights privacy and being isolated. Here is the, the warning that um, is, is found in, in, in this habit, this warning to believers. It's found in Hebrews 10, verse 23 to 25, and it says this. Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. There's the habit. Some are in the habit, the bad habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. The early believers knew, thought that the day of the Lord was about to happen in their generation. They were sitting on the hill waiting for the, the second coming. How much further are we on in that journey of the Lord returning? But this bad habit that some of these believers had fallen into was what? They, they became, they fell into a habit of giving up on meeting together. It was just easy not to, there are other things to do. But there, there is a commitment that we have to each other as a family, to encourage one another and spur one another to love and good deeds. There is a commitment to us to hold each other accountable, to counteract the, the godless society that wants to influence you and change you. There is a commitment that we have to one another. There is a commitment that I have to you and you have to me. But the moment I fall out of relationship and I fall out of fellowship and I fall out of meeting with other brothers and sisters, there is a danger, there is a warning here that we find in Scripture. And though we have many brothers and sisters in Christ, in the body of Christ, we can truly only walk it out practically with those who the Holy Spirit has joined us together with. And this for me is a very challenging thing. You can ask my wife. I've, I've struggled with this because I know the value on co- with connecting people together, how important it is. Jack, would you just stand up quickly? And, and let's say Jack is, is part of our family or he's new and he's been around, but, but I know Jack needs to be connected relationally for his, for his spiritual sake. And I just wanna try and connect him with people. Who is it in, in this church that can connect and do life with Jack? And then, and then I, you can sit down, Jack, and then I look at Fricky over there or I look at John over there and I look at the people and that, that God has put in our body and I'm like, how do we connect hearts together? How do we connect people together who, who join together and live shared life together? And I'm at that point where I'm like, I just can't. I just, I can't do that. God has to do that in your life. He has to connect hearts together by His Spirit I can maybe create some environments where hopefully people can meet and fellowship. There I'm using the word fellowship. We actually have to be careful about this word fellowship because we can water it down to say everything we do in church is fellowship. And actually this word fellowship is koinonia and it is shared life, deep spiritual Friendship not just a watered down version of, let's just go and have some fellowship quickly. Yes, there's a version of fellowship that happens on a Sunday and people love the fellowship time and they stick around and it's time to get people out of this building and go home because you're still hanging around enjoying fellowship, but there is a deeper koinonia that God is calling us to that is deep spiritual friendship, deep community. So I can't, In my own strength, try and connect people. I've gotta trust that God does it. He knits hearts with people. That you invite people into your house and you have meals and you start sharing life with others and you have shared experiences. You know, sometimes walking a journey with someone who has gone through a difficult experience in life knits you closer together because you share in that experience, even though it's difficult and hard and horrible. This this group of early believers in Acts 2, verse 46 to 7, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They had the big meeting and they had the small meeting. They met in the temple and the apostles taught But then they went into homes and they got to have a voice and they got to work it out and they got to share life together. I want to say this, if you don't want fellowship, you will never experience fellowship in your life. This fellowship that this word is talking about, if you do not want fellowship, you won't have it. Because there's a price involved in fellowship. I want more than just superficial attachment. I want significant real relationships. I want to see a new creation family church where people are knitted in, in relationship, deep relationships. That as a pastor, I can't get to all the problems that you're facing, but I know that you're part of a a group of people that will cook meals for you and visit you in hospital and go and pray for your sick child and help you out financially when you're going through that tough thing. Because that's how the body's meant to function. And we as a church. Just talking about some vision quickly. Our vision is becoming his community. This is our part of who we want to be as a church. We want to be his community, becoming his community, having shared life, living that out, living out all the one another's. There are 31 another's in scripture that you cannot live out just on a Sunday morning with me doing all the talking. It's got to be lived out in the homes and doing life together, sharing each other's burdens. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic family of Christ followers who are committed to living in a meaningful relationship with Him and with others. This series is going to challenge you to have a meaningful relationship with God, a real living relationship by following and, and living out these spiritual practices, but not just with Him, but with each other. I need to maybe have more people in my home for meals so that I can develop deeper relationships. There are spiritual practices that we need to do to build these relationships that we're talking about. And the second part of our vision is to impact our community. And last year, this time, we put up a sign at the back of the auditorium that said, Impact. And we believe in God for greater impact. Impact in our communities and I'm so excited about what God is doing with this group that did the Kairos course and they're praying together on Tuesday nights and they're looking to be more proactive in trusting for greater impact but as the year has gone on and we start a new year we have not seen the impact that we believe God has called us to we haven't arrived so we don't want to say we now want to change the word or look at something different we're still believing to impact our communities this community, this local community, and the communities that you do life in. And there's something amazing about the body functioning as his body, all the parts working together. Danny, what do you play the violin? It's one thing for Danny to say, I want to play the violin all by herself out there. But it, it is another thing when she joins the full orchestra of multiple instruments and the music and the power that comes from doing it together. There is something powerful about this. And this for me is when the body comes together, all the parts of the body, the ear, the mouth, the fingers, the hands, all come and work together so that we can see impact in our communities. The church is the only society that exists primarily for its non-members. We are not just called to be a community of believers that look after each other, but we are called to be a community that impacts our community. That is a church that has a mission and a purpose to engage our society and the world that we live in. We believe God is calling us into a deeper sense of engagement. This word engage came out in one of our prayer meetings. And what I found very interesting when I was studying this week about devoted, it says to be busily engaged in. They were busily engaged in the apostles' teaching, prayer, fellowship, having meals together. And we've got the sense that God is calling us not just to disengage with what is going on, but to go deeper. What do they say? I'm not a rugby player. I'll keep forgetting. Touch, pause, and engage. And engaging looks like that. (laughs) Sometimes impact can be like that, and it's over and done with but engaging seems to be a persevering into what God has called us to as a family. And church, there is more that God has called us to. I wanna say God is calling us to engage deeper into relationship with Him. There is a deeper engaging into relationship with Him that He's calling us to. There is an engaging in other believers and in relationship with the local church. There is engaging in the mission of God. What role is God going to use you in, in advancing his kingdom this year? There is, there is an engaging in our city. And for many of us, this word opposite of engage is to disengage. There are people that feel like they would rather disengage with this country right now, disengage with our communities, disengage with other church members, disengage with our relationship with God, because there's a, there's a temptation to disengage, And we've got a sense as a leadership, as as we've been praying, that God is calling us to deeper engagement. I want to engage some difficult topics this year. I want to talk about some things that will make you feel very uncomfortable in church. I want us to engage our local community and say, how can we really impact our community around us? I don't want to scratch an area that isn't itchy. And we think we're doing a good work, but actually we're missing it. I want us to engage in his word, engage in prayer, engage in relationships. Don't disengage relationally. There is this temptation that I want to say that I feel God is warning us of. There's opportunities this year for you to connect, to grow. We are going to run our KLS course again, which is a, like a leadership course, but it's about character and it's growing you as a person that runs over four Tuesday nights a term. If you are interested in that, you can go to the information desk and find out more about that. We will run um, the Kairos course again this year. We will also be running a marriage course and a parenting course and a finance course. There's lots that is going to be happening. And I want you to stay connected. I want you to find time where you invest in yourself, invest in your marriage, invest in your parenting, invest in how you run your finances. We have a sense that God is wanting to do something in this body and in this community. We are expectant and we are excited. I am honestly, I know you can stand up every year and say I'm, I'm excited for what God is doing. I'm being honest right now. I'm really excited about what God is currently doing in this church, in this season. And we are in a process as a church of praying about what God is calling us to in the next few years that lie ahead. And yesterday, it's fun to as leaders to talk about where we came from. And this church started in Ronanan's home. Started off the school and the church started in a home. And 37 years later we have this ministry and now we're gonna find ourselves in a place where we're not just going to go okay, well we've got it, we've arrived. But we believe that God is calling us to more and we wanna hear what God is saying to us as a church and as a ministry. But today I wanna just end this time off by asking you to consider being committed. For real koinonia um, fellowship or koinonia community to take place, it will require a commitment. For it to happen, there will be a price that has to be paid. And I wanna ask you to consider paying the price. I want you to consider what it will mean to share life with others, what it will mean to be a part of a local family, What it will mean to pay the price of growing your relationship with with the Lord. There's a price tag with everything. And do you have the desire to do it? We've been looking at this diagram over the series. Those three circles that surround habits. The first one is the knowledge. It's the, the why to. The second one is the skills, the how to. And the third one is the desire, the want to. So when we talk about koinonia and fellowship, For some of us, we need to understand the why, why we need to be in this relationship. This this is for me the difficult part is the how to. How do you live this way in the world we live in now? How do we not substitute just a WhatsApp message to actually being face to face and actually sharing life together and managing our busy lives with children and work and traffic and the demands of a, a Joburg life? And then the desire to. God, won't you create in us a desire for shared life? A desire to be needed and to need others. A desire to allow yourself for others to need you. And that's why when you gather together, when you go to a life group and you're considering, should I go tonight, maybe it's not about you, maybe it's about you being there and meeting the needs of someone else. Maybe you come on a Sunday and it may not be, um, a specific person preaching or you just don't feel like it but to avail yourself and say God I'm going to go because other people need me and you can work through me and you can touch others as a vessel that you are working and building as a part of this body. I look at these teenagers and I want to see this next generation all of a sudden you all look up at me when I now address you. But we need to know that, that you are a part of this body and you will be connected relationally with people here. And my children, the next generation that are coming through, what will church look like for them in 10, 20 years' time? What church, what inheritance will they inherit from us in church? Will they see the value of meeting in homes from you? Will that be an, a value that you will instill in their lives? That church isn't just an hour and a half get together, in and out, takeaway meal that you, you on the run eat and you go. What inheritance will our children inherit in this next season that God is doing in New Creation Family Church? Amen. Let me pray for us. Thank you, Father, that we started this morning off singing this song, there's nothing that our God can't do. And God, it's with the expectation that we have in our hearts that you are building your church. Jesus, we look to you as the head of your body, that you have given your church a role and a function to transform this world, to be the light, to be a city on a hill, to be an oasis of haven to a hurting world. And God, I pray for this church, this local family called New Creation Family Church. And God, we want to humble ourselves and submit to the work that you are doing. We want you, Holy Spirit, to knit our hearts together. Let us experience shared life and relationship. Let us truly experience what it means to live in koinonia. Let us experience what it means to live in deep fellowship. Father, I pray that you help reveal the things that are hindering us from living a shared life. Help us deal with the obstacles in our hearts that stop us from needing others and be needed by others. God, I pray that you would knit hearts in this place for people that feel isolated and alone and disconnected. I pray, God, that you would, by your spirit, join people together. I pray, God, that we would live a shared life, that you would teach us what it means to share. And then, God, I pray for this church and I pray for greater impact. And God, as we want to engage in area society, of society, God, as they're things that we, you're calling us to engage on, to persevere in, to get our hands messy in. God, I pray that you give us that perseverance to engage, that we might see the impact that you desire of us. We pray for your protection over this body. We pray your protection over each individual. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you have enjoyed this recording. For more information about New Creation Family Church, please visit our website at www.newcreation.co.za